What what episode are we on? We just did three and we're two ahead. So this is episode six. Is it already? Mm-hmm. Wow. Welcome to Literary Laughing. We're surprised we're on episode six already. <laughs> I'm Lara. I'm Amy. This is our podcast where we choose random passages from random books and try to make each other laugh. <laughs> Because I'm like trying to eat my ramen as far <laughs> away from the microphone as possible. I'll edit out the chewing. I'm an editing expert now after editing my first podcast. Dun, dun, dun. Yay! We're so legit now. Yes. That's why we're not afraid to eat during a podcast, even though according to the half of a, I still haven't finished listening to the audio <laughs> I haven't either, and I even ordered a hard copy so that I'd be able to reference it. Yeah, you're not supposed to eat or drink anything except for maybe some room temperature water. Then I've been breaking that rule since week one. (laughs) I literally have ice water in a thermos right here, so. Okay, first of all, we should give a warning. We talk about sex, we talk about drugs, we may or may not cuss. If you don't want your children to hear those things, or if you don't want to hear those things, maybe turn us off. If not, you're in the right place. Okay. So this week doesn't have any theme whatsoever. So we don't know what either one chose. Yep. No theme. We just chose a random book Mm -hmm. and how it goes is one of us reads from our book, a passage that we've pre-chosen. And then we read the back of the book. We read, we talk about the front of the book. We talk about the author. Then we read Another things to say about the author. We should say that. (laughs) Yes. We comment on each of these. We don't just go straight from one to the other. Mm -hmm. Then we read another passage in the book that we've Mm pre-chosen. Then we choose a random spot in the book and read from that. And then the other person chooses a random page number and we read from that. And hopefully we find some humorous things to say in between. Yes. Oh, I'm sure you will. (laughs) let me take another swig of my beer yes okay I'm gonna start with this first one because I think it goes with the cover of the book more and then hello how does your war proceed I sighed he drifted down beside me still man-shaped dressed in a dark suit I saw my mistake when he got closer he'd altered his skin color to make a suit shirt and tie at a distance it would pass even close up He had nothing that needed hiding. I thought I'd got rid of you, I complained. Are you bigger? At a guess, his size had nearly doubled. Yes, I became hungry. You weren't kidding about your appetite. The war, he reminded me. Are you planning to invade? I was. I didn't know about this fence. Shall I? No, no, you shall not whatever you were thinking about. Just watch. What am I to watch? You have done nothing for several minutes. I'll think of something. Of course. But whatever I do, I won't use your help now or ever. If you want to watch, fine, be my guest, but don't help. I do not understand why not. It's like bugging a guy's telephone. Sink has certain rights, even if he's a crook. He's immune from cruel and unusual punishment. The FBI can't bug his phone. You can't kill him unless you try him first, unless he's breaking a law at the time. And you shouldn't have to worry about armed attacks by Martians surely if seeing himself breaks the rules there are rules for dealing with lawbreakers i snapped the martian didn't answer he stood beside me seven feet tall and pudgy 
a dark man-like shape in the dim light from the house. Hey, how do you do all those things you do? Just a talent? No, I carry implements. Something poked itself outside of his baby smooth chest, something hard that gleamed like metal. This, for instance, dance momentum. Other portable artifacts lessen the pull of gravity or reprocess the air in my lungs. You keep them all inside you? Why not? I can make fingers of all sizes inside me. Oh, you have said that there are rules for dealing with rule breakers. Surely you have already broken those rules. You have trespassed on private property. You have departed the scene of an accident. Don Domingo's death. You have, all right, then, all right, I'll try again. I was wasting too much time. Getting over the fence was important. But so, somehow was this. Because in a sense, the Martian was right. This had nothing to do with rules. It has nothing to do with rules, I told him. At least not exactly. What counts is power. Sink has taken over this city and he'll want others to later. He's got too much power. That's why someone has to stop him. And you give me too much power. A man who has too much power loses his head. I don't trust myself with you on my side. I'm a detective. If I break a law, I expect to be jailed for it unless I can explain why. It makes me careful. If I tackle a crook who could whip me, I get bruised. If I shoot someone who doesn't deserve it, I go to prison. It all tends to make me careful. But with you around, you lose caution, said the dark bulk beside me. He spoke almost musingly with more of human expression than I've heard before. You may be tempted to take more power than is good for you. I had not expected your species to be so wise. You thought we were stupid? Perhaps. I had expected you to be grateful and eager for any help I might give. Now I begin to understand your attitude. We too try to balance out the amount of power given to individuals. What is that noise? It was a rustling, a scampering, barely audible, but not at all furtive. I don't know. Have you decided upon your next move? Yes, I, damn, those are dogs. What are dogs? Suddenly they were there in the dark. I couldn't tell what breed, but they were big and they didn't bark. And a rustling of claws scrabbling on cement. They rounded the curve of the brick wall, coming from both sides terribly fast. I had to the, the gyro jet, the gyro jet people, and knew there were twice as many dogs as I had shots. Lights came on bright and sudden all over the ground. I fired and a finger of flame reached out and touched one of the dogs. He fell tumbling lost in the path. All the lights went deep red, blood red. The dog stopped. The noise stopped. One dog, the nearest, was completely off the ground, hovering in mid-leap, his lips skinned back from sharp ruby teeth. It seems I have cost you time, the Martian murmured. May I return it? What did you do? I have used the damper of inertia in a projected field. The effect is as if time had stopped for all but us. In view of the length of time I kept you talking, it is the least I can do. This kind of reminds, it's giving me Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. It's an interesting little collection that's in this book. So the back cover. No, 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 tell me. <laughs> okay. You're just excited. You're like, are there epilogue oh, courses? Stop showing it to me. Oh, it was moving very quickly. Okay. Uh, I have Larry... sharp quick eyes. <laughs> okay. Larry Niven at his very best. Convergent series. What the devil can a nice guy messing around in witchcraft do when he succeeds? Think fast before all hell gets loose. The nonsuch. Pretty young Doris Macaron was unaware that a hungry mind reading 
eating, flesh-eating alien was stalking her. When she found out, it surprised them both in more ways than one. Cruel and unusual. One thing you could say about the Sherpsithra, they know how to make the punishment fit the crime. Plus stories from the Draco's Tavern series. So it's a collection of short stories. So that was basically talking about each one. And I didn't go too much into the non-such one, even though that's one of the ones I read and I was like, that's weird. So the cover of this, the author of Ring World, Larry Niven, Convergent series. And on the cover, it's hard to fully see. There's a moon in the background. So it's like a small moon in the background. Okay. And then it's like this green bubble on top of red swirlies. And then you can see like this glass screen that's kind of going up over the, the red swirlies and an eye on the side with the glass bubble on it. Then two green cans with long black claws that come up and are like holding some golden light. And the red swirlies are like going out the side like a cape almost. It's very- wow. Yeah, it's very 1970 sci-fi. Yes. Like like the claws and the hand. Yeah, I don't know that I would have seen the claws at first, but now I see them. Well, I didn't even understand what it was. It took me a long time to see that eye over to the side. Like it was just a it looks almost like a frog person in there. Yeah, but with this weird, bubble. Yeah, this weird bubble head. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Kermit the Frog. With a big brain and claws. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> this was written, well, it's a series of short stories. So so the copyright was 1979, but then it was reprinted in 1981 and 1984. And this was, so the writer, because some of these are older stories, he'll have like little notes at the end of like, oh, this was an inspiration from this, or this was the first time I could use my math background with this and when I was writing. So it was, it was kind of cute. It was sweet. Like it was at the beginning or the end of the chapters. Apparently at sci-fi conventions, his books were sought after because Larry Nevin is kind of a big deal in the sci-fi world. Really? Yes. At the time this book was published, he It said, Larry Niven is winner of both the Hugo and Nebula Awards. Most of his novels and short stories have been cast within known space, quotations around known space, a highly individualized and intricate chronicle of the future described by Peter Hack in Newsday as a stunning example of what can be achieved by a fertile and disciplined imagination and a broad and consistent vision of future history. Larry Niven lives in California. (laughs) on his website he has but it goes through like his early years the birth of known space warlock and time travelers one ring to rule them all for his series of books of ring world return to known space crime and collaborations like it goes through a bunch of the stuff he's written so his full name is Lawrence van cott niven And he was born in 1938 in L.A., California. And it says, after discovering a bookstore jammed with used sci-fi magazines, he just got hooked on sci-fi, so he dropped out of school. Then he made his first sale of his book, The Coldest Place, in 1964 for $25. Wow. Yes. He's 
published a lot. He's best known from Ringworld in 1970. He's also won the Locust and Dittmar Awards. The Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America named him the 2015 recipient of the Damon Knight Memorial Grand Master Award. He's gotten like the big, big awards. He also, which I thought was really cool, He's come up Niven's Law. It's basically Niven's Laws were named after him, the science fiction art, uh, science fiction author. He has periodically published them as how the universe works, as far as he can tell. They were rewritten in 2002. Among the laws are never fire a laser at a mirror. Giving up freedom for security is beginning to look naive, based on the quote from Benjamin Franklin. He has laws that go about time travel, some other stuff. So it's interesting. Yeah, sounds interesting. I accidentally picked up like a a science fiction legend based on a cover. Sounds like he's done a lot. And I guess like this part interests me because I was thinking back when he wrote this. So this is 1970s, 1980s. And the idea of this happening in that time period would freak me the heck out. I'll read this part and then give a brief thing of what happened prior to this point. This guy's a good writer. There'd be a lot in between like that beginning part and then this part. Well, I have a quick question. So this is a collection of short stories. Are they all connected somehow? Some of them are, but not all of them. Are they all in the same world? Yes, sort of. But this one here, for the most part, I think a lot of them are in the same world, but they don't necessarily all interconnect. Okay. So like this one, I think might technically be in the same world because it's on Earth, but there's not a Martian in it. Okay. That makes sense. So spoiler alert, this one does not have a Martian in it. So if you were just listening for Martians, you might just want to skip ahead here. Hesitation marks, I gasped. I couldn't get enough air. Reality was a blur. Was I about to faint? I certainly didn't want to faint. You're crazy, crazy. I fumbled for a cigarette and managed to get it to my mouth. There's always hesitation marks. A man shoots himself in the head. You find holes in the wall where he jerked the gun away the first four times. If he cuts his throat, you find three or four slashes where he didn't cut deep enough. I was gasping out the words, fighting for air. I had to have air. You're out of your mind. The thing is, if I had to die, I might as well pick the way I want to go, right? What are you talking about? I was going to marry a girl. Congratulations. If my passenger was trying for sarcasm, it didn't come through. He only sounded scared. He sat facing straight towards me with one leg on the seat and his back hard up against the door watching. Thanks. Thanks a whole hell of a lot. Only she decided I wasn't her type. She, she tried to tell me we'd both known it all along. We'd just been fooling ourselves. She said, liar. They do that, said my passenger. Everybody does that. You know how my dad told me he and mom were getting divorced? My cigarette was still in my mouth unlit. I reached and stabbed at the car lighter. I was 15. They called me into the living room and I don't care what your father told you when you were 15. I do. My dad walked a few times around the room and then finally he said, I suppose you know your mother and I are separated. Liar. They kept it from me because they thought it might interfere with my finals at school. (laughs) That's so terrible. It's so terrible, but also so real. Yeah, that's true. Oh, we have this shitty thing to tell you, but we're not going to tell you until after you're done with the important stuff. 
All I saw of him, I saw with the corner of my eye, but I saw him start to say something, stop, close his eyes, tight to think. The lighter popped out. He blurted, you're crazy. You can't kill yourself just because some bitch gives you the shaft. I pulled the lighter out and reached across the seat to touch it to the tip of his nose. He never moved to stop me. He couldn't believe what I was doing. Not until he actually felt the heat. Then he screamed and threw his arms over his face. He missed grabbing my arm because I'd already pulled it back and was lighting my cigarette. She's not a bitch, I told him. And if she was, you wouldn't be the one to say it. Keep your dirty mouth off her. Let me off, said the hitchhiker. He'd forgotten he'd had the knife. He tried it before and it hadn't worked. Why should I? I never tried to kill you. It's not fair. Who said anything about fair? My grin felt natural now. After all, we were even. The blood on my neck matched the burn on his nose. Look, you don't want to kill yourself. You don't want to die. You're just kidding yourself. Just wait. Just wait until tomorrow. You'll feel different. Really, you will. I felt that myself. I really have, but it always went away. Sometimes it lasted for days, but it always, it's too late. It's not too late. You're still alive. This isn't my car. What? Do I look like a Cadillac driver? Eyes see what they're trained to see, what they expect to see. A polo shirt is just a t-shirt with a collar, except for the material. Pants are pants, except to the guy who wears them. He knows if they bind or if they're too loose or if they're tailored to fit just right. The polo shirt is just a t-shirt with a collar and made out of different materials. So it is a shirt, not a t-shirt. <laughs> I don't know. That just struck me as really funny. It's a, this is just the material of the shirt. Really different. It is. It's just like, it's just the material. But the armband things that they have and then the collar and the buttons. That would but a t-shirt could still have the armband. Oh, like from a far away, like the rolls and stuff. Like if they rolled their shirt, I mean, on the fawns, it all looked amazing. So it didn't really matter. Yes. If the seat looks shiny, then they're too old. But how can you tell when he's sitting down? You stole it, he said. I bobbed my head a couple of times jerkingly. Let me out. I don't want to get knifed. Please. Fasten your seatbelt. Why? But he knew. He knew. We're going to have an accident. Let me out first. Look, I will. You please look. I found I was strangling the wheel again because up ahead was where the freeway became a bowl of concrete noodles. I'd driven this route before. Here in downtown Los Angeles was where the Santa Monica freeway led into the harbor, Santa Ana and San Bernardino freeways. The ramps led up and over and around and under each other, and most of the time there was nothing but empty space to the left and right. Speeding cars and empty space, separated by fragile metal rails and common sense. My passenger knew it too. He was swiveling his head toward the road, toward me, toward the road, toward me. When he snapped out of it, he yelled, will you look at me? I looked and he twitched because now I wasn't watching the road. He was holding the knife out the window, holding it with two fingers around the tip of the handle. He let it drop ostentatiously, and I saw it bounce once in the mirror. I dropped the knife, he said. You saw it. Now let me out. I nodded. I braked and swung to the left. The car lurched and jerked and tried to pull free and slowed and stopped, not too far from where there wouldn't have been gravel to stop on. Cars whizzed past, and the wind of their passing sounded like blows against the side of the Cadillac. Out. Not here. I'll be killed. I touched the accelerator, and the car jumped forward. He was out and around the side and behind the trunk in one smooth life motion. And if there'd been a car coming, it would have hit him. I touched the accelerator again to get beyond him, then reached across to slam the door he had left open. At the next gap in traffic, I was off, accelerating hard to keep from being hit from behind. The last I saw of the hitchhiker, he was hunched over the guardrail, 
actually using it for support, not looking at the four lanes of traffic, he'd have to pass alive. Wow. Mm -hmm. So this part, when I actually got end of it, so this is the author now talking. He's like, the preceding story was not autobiographical. I daydreamed it while driving the Santa Monica freeway. The guy who asked me that question tells me that he was once threatened by a hitchhiker with a knife and that a friend of his tells the same story. Neither of the two friends that fancy suicide approach. They explained to assailants that if they didn't see the total surrender damn quick, they were going to obliterate the right side of the car against a tree at 16 miles per hour. They left the left side of the car would have taken its chances. It worked for them. I hope I won't ever have to try that approach myself. Wow. The story is the guy went to help a hitchhiker and the hitchhiker held him up by knife point. And so then he decided he would freak the guy out. by being suicidal and that got the hitchhiker out of this car that's kind of crazy go ahead it's like a survival reaction what would you do to survive exactly and i feel like you could theorize all you want how you would react in that situation but in the moment you don't even know what you would do because like surprise i'm an alien with 500 hands inside of me let me just put this knife inside me look it's all good (laughs) yes That would have actually been a hilarious ending if it was really the alien and the alien could like gack himself out is the only way I can think of it. Like where it just like extends out, holds onto the rail and releases himself (laughs) to the middle. That's so odd. I've always wondered about picking up hitchhikers. I've only done it once. And there were these two younger women. I would not have picked them up. My partner and I were together. (laughs) Cutting that part out. (laughs) We were in Hawaii on our honeymoon and we were driving in the middle of nowhere. And we. This doesn't make it any better. They could have dropped a body in a ditch and then come out and then like. There were no ditches. And they were so young. We felt so bad for them. So we picked them up. My partner was so weird in his questioning. of. What was he asking them? He kept, he, when they got in, he was kind of quiet for a little bit. And then he asked them why they were hitchhiking. And they told him that they didn't believe in using fossil fuels for personal travel. What? (laughs) Yes. And so he said, but you're in a car. And they said, but you're already using those fossil fuels, so it doesn't count. And then he said, so are you from this island? And they said, no, they were from Portland. They were from, one of them was from Portland, Oregon, and the other one was Did they sail there? Did they use earth energy to get there? Exactly. So then he asked, well, how did you get here? And they said, oh, we got here by plane. And he said, well, doesn't that use fossil fuels? And then it got a little bit awkward. So then I just asked where they were trying to get to. And they were telling us. And then. (laughs) So so they hitchhiked to the middle of nowhere in Hawaii using. Yes. Yes. So what had happened was there's this road. It's called. I think it's called the road to Hani or the road to something. And it takes, I want to say three or four hours to drive. And there's not really anything. There may be a couple of banana bread stands. I just want to have an elder millennial moment with all of our younger listeners and maybe a few of our older listeners who don't want to use fossil fuels. Take a moment and listen to a true crime podcast. 
fast. And you will quickly learn that hitchhiking is one of the fastest ways to get murdered. Exactly. Get a bike. Get a bike on an, on an island in Hawaii. That person might look nice, but you don't know. They could be a sociopath. Oh, no. These girls need a deodorant. Any that didn't mean some guy didn't, couldn't keep them up in a cabin. No, it doesn't. Well, so my partner. Or a hut. I don't know. (laughs) My partner continued to talk to them and said, don't you think hitchhiking is a little bit dangerous? (laughs) We don't know who you are and you could be trying to kill us. And they kind of (laughs) laughed and said, oh, no, no, we're just normal people-ish. Normal people, except we make swords on the weekend. (laughs) My partner turned around and looked at them and he said, what if we're trying to kill you? And then there's just this long, awkward silence in the car. And then two minutes later, one of them says, I feel car sick. I think you should let us out. And then we left them out in the middle of nowhere because they'd only been in the car about 20 minutes. (laughs) She did not feel car sick. No, she looked fine. She was afraid that we were going to kill them. Because that's well, what it sounded like. Well, yeah, that's what happened with the Barbie and Ken serial killers in Canada. Husband and wife duo would pick girls up on the street and they're like, oh, well, there's a woman in there, so it must be okay. Nope. Nope. Not and okay. Partners staring them down from the front seat and saying, well, what if we murder you? <laughs> he said it like that. He was probably like, what if we murder you? <laughs> well, you know, heavies. Totally deadpan, no emotion in his face because he genuinely wants to know. He's not trying to be creepy. And then after we drove off, I said, why did you do that? And he said, I wanted to know their logic. How could they trust us? And then he said, do you want to get some coconut water up there? (laughs) The girl is like, you know what? I don't believe in gunpowder, but I think we should get guns. (laughs) It was just, you could tell that they were maybe 18 years old. And they told us they'd just come back because they'd been staying in some town. And we asked what they were doing there. And they said that they were staying with this guy and he was teaching them how to meditate and be more eco-friendly. I'm just going to drink my ramen broth now. (laughs) In the middle of nowhere in Hawaii. In the middle of nowhere. I, that sounds like the start of a cult. Yeah. I mean, not all meditation leaders are going to start cults, but yeah. Yeah. It sounded like he maybe wanted to start a cult and then they weren't really into it. So they left and they're like, dang it. We have to use more of other people's fossil fuels, but we're not using it. They are. I don't think they got to the dang it part. I think they just skipped over other people using fossil fuels and decided to use them. Mm-hmm. To get away from the meditating man. I mean, they were obviously okay with using fossil fuels in the first place because they were on that island. I hope that they wrote a book and we can discover it randomly. <laughs> and, and then <laughs> just you that reads that part and you're like, oh, it's me! <laughs> The funniest thing was I was so sunburned that I looked like one of those tourists that Lilo would take pictures of and Lilo and Stitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Random page. Random page. 
Okay. I have a guest, Singh called out. He has a gun. What do we do? Don't do anything, Singh called, called to him. And then he started to laugh. He was losing his human contours, relaxing, because I already knew what he was. I wouldn't have believed it, he chuckled. He tracked me all that way to die on an electric fence. His chuckles cut off like a broken tape, making me wonder how real they were, how real his laughter could be with his no doubt weird breathing system. The current couldn't kill him. Of course, it must have shorted his air maker and blown the battery. The spiked coffee was for him, I guessed. He said he could be killed by organic poisons. He meant alcohol, obviously. And all I did was give you a free drink, he chuckled. I've been pretty gullible. I believed what your woman told me. They didn't know. He did a pretty accurate double take. You thought, Chesborough? Have I made rude comments about your sex life? No. Why? Then you can leave mine alone. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a fun little part there. I like his writing. I will say that. Yeah, it, it's very, he definitely paints a picture with his words. Mm-hmm. And he's not, I guess when I think of science fiction in some ways, I think of these traps that are there for making it too over the top or yeah, certain people too sexual, you know, like the women get overly <laughs> sexualized. Or don't talk about my sex life. No, my book. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I feel like that's like those are like the traps of science fiction. And I kind of like how he is just like very like to the point and there's yeah, no for humor sure. in it, but it's it's very well thought through for sure. It almost sounds British in the way he does humor. Because it's a little bit like dry humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that I've edited a podcast, I'm very cognizant of all the likes and ums that I'm saying. We say a lot of likes and ums. It got to the point where I could recognize not my ums, but you do this certain um, and I could recognize it coming up in the audio. Because <laughs> of the shape of it. Um. It, it was this little, almost like an elephant with his trunk up. <laughs> I would see it coming up and I would think, I bet that's an um. And it would come up to it and it would say, um. <laughs> and I felt so accomplished. <laughs> and after an hour and a it's, half, um. I identify that. I really would love that on a t-shirt of just like your idea of what it's supposed to look like. It looks like an elephant. It's an elephant. Um, <laughs> the um elephant, a mysterious elephant. How many pages? 227 pages. I choose 189. 189. Watch. It's going to have some weird alien names in here that I'm going to have to pause on. Yes. Is it 189? Yes. Okay. Okay. The children were playing six-point overlord, hopping from point to point over a hexagonal diagram drawn in the sand when the probe broke atmosphere over their heads. They might have sensed it then, for it was heating fast as it entered atmosphere, but nobody happened to look up. Seconds later, the retro rocket fired. A gentle rain of infrared light bathed the limit limonite sands 
Over hundreds of square miles of orange Martian desert, wide spaced clumps of black grass uncurled the, their leaves to catch and hoard the heat. Tiny Cecil things buried beneath the sand raised fan-shaped probes. The children hadn't noticed yet, but their ears were stirring. Their ears sensed heat rather than sound. And useless, and, sorry, and unless they were listening to some heat source, they usually remained folded against the children's heads like silver flowers. Now they uncurled flowers blooming, snow showing black centers. Now they twitched and turned, seeking. One turned and saw it. A point of white light high in the east, slowly setting. The children talked to each other in coded pulses of heat, opening and closing their mouths to show the warm interiors. Hey, what is it? Let's go see. They hopped off across the, the limonite sand, forgetting the overlord game, racing to meet the falling thing. I like the idea of the ears. Yes, that was so interesting. I've never heard of anything like that. I know. I was trying to think of how it would feel to be able to move my ear around. I know some people can wiggle their ears, but they're, it's more that they're controlling a muscle that's attached to their ears, not that they're actually moving their ears. That would be so interesting. You know what I just thought? Hmm. I wonder how those hitchhiking girls would have felt about somebody traveling to Mars. <laughs> Well, as long as they were hitchhiking on a ship that was already going, there's nothing they can do about that, you know? I mean, it was probably mostly solar powered anyways, like everything future, heat source ears. Trying to decide if I should read the sex scene, something else, or something else. You want me just to say sex scene I feel like because you're like well it's a sex scene or it's something else or it's something else <laughs> well I didn't want to give away the main part in this <laughs> sex scene is pretty generic I'm gonna read the sex scene <laughs> I mean I'll let you guess which scene I'm reading by what I'm, reading. I'm so sorry it could be this something else scene which could just be foreplay like <laughs> all right as things sped up, there was no difference between vampire or human anymore, or between fairy tale prince and disgraced cop. <laughs> Wait, did you say disgraced cock? Cop. Cop. <laughs> C-O-P. Police woman. I think it's, she's, I think she's the cop. Okay. <laughs> I, I think we were both laughing for two different reasons. I was laughing because I thought that was funny picturing a police person and a vampire. And you were laughing because you were picturing police cock. Well, you were like laughing right before you finished saying. I'm sorry, disgraced cock. <laughs> I don't even know what that would look like. I don't well, want to like the bird. You're a disgrace. disgrace. <laughs> it was like. his head goes into its wing and just walks away there were only two lost souls filling in the empty spaces for each other no longer alone at least for now needs piled atop greed within her as the pleasure found a purchase took root and began to grow and where before her orgasm had been sharp and brilliant all inner fireworks and satisfying heat the tension that gripped her this time was deeper and more consuming, tightening her inner muscles, overtaking her senses, and suddenly making the moment far more important than it was supposed to be. This is it, her body seemed to be saying. This is what you've been waiting for. 
it's almost like a sports scene or in a movie where they cover themselves and they're running slow-mo to home plate or something. Her, she felt the heat in her ears unravel <laughs> from her. Like little sunflowers. Like little sunflowers. <laughs> Showing the inner sides. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, okay. That's way too off topic. I'm going to keep reading. Turning away from that danger, she buried her face against his neck and moved beneath him. The move wrung a groan from him, then a reverent whisper of, Greta. Her name had never sounded like magic before. What's that? <laughs> Amy. <laughs> oh, it's so magical. This is what it's made for. My body. Willing away the tears that prickled her eyes, she kissed his throat open-mouthed as he rode her, bucked against her, and drove the quailing pleasure higher and higher still. She tasted the faint, salty tang of his skin. I almost read twang, and then I thought, that's a weird word, and re-looked at it right before I read it. (laughs) Felt the throb of his pulse against her lips. It pounded in tempo with him, with the pulse of needs that drew tighter within her with each thrust, where he pressed into her inside and out and hit that spot there. Oh, yes, there. From deep oh, within- wait, 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 Where's there? What there? <laughs> I'm so com- I, I so want to know about there. This is what she's been waiting for, but we're all waiting for. That there, there spot. Oh, there. From deep within her came the urge to bite down, to take his essence within her and bind them together. Ignoring the faint itch of disquiet, she grazed her teeth along the vein that angled along the side of his throat and nipped lightly. He hissed, his fingers suddenly digging into her as he slammed home, setting off new sensations that carried a raw power that tempted her to shy away. She felt him struggle for control, felt herself hesitate, tempted to duck the intensity and the possibilities. Then, because she refused to be a coward with him right now in this moment, she found his vein again and bit down hard. She didn't draw blood, but it was a near thing. Wow. (laughs) So she almost became a vampire. Yes, I guess. I don't know. Is she the vampire? I don't know. She's the disgraced cock. I think. Maybe that's why she's disgraced. She wants to be a vampire maybe or that's why like she feels his vampire essence (laughs) and was like i must bite you yes okay okay where did you find this book this was actually one of my choices for last week but i decided Mm -hmm. to after choosing these readings right before probably 30 minutes before we were going to record i saw my Mm -hmm. other choice in my pile and thought oh i'll just flip through it and then i ended up liking that one better for that podcast so i still like this yeah like vampires they're not shifter shifters no no well i don't know it it because I thought the shifters were like, they had to be like part, I mean, I guess bat, but like vampires seem like a different whole thing to me. Sorry. Okay. So the back of this book will confuse you even more. So I found this at half price books. Yes. And they, they do have vampires and shifters in the same location in half price books. Yes. So yes. Nocturne. This is the back of the book. Once upon a time, the blood sorcerer vanquished the kingdom of Elden. To save their children, the queen scattered them to safety and the king filled them with vengeance. 
Only a magical timepiece connects the four royal heirs. Now they must return and save Elden, and the time is running out. As one of the wolfen, a legendary wolf creature who seduced women, Dane mated to gain strength. But as a man, he craved Retta Weston's heated sizzling touch. With little time left, Dane had to either embrace his wolf to save his kingdom or fight the craven beast to save his woman. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so it is a werewolf. So yeah, so he's a vampire wolf. I don't know. This is a part of the Royal House of Shadows series. Um, Once upon a dark time, they were the only hope to bring their kingdom back to light is the tagline. Interesting. By Jessica Anderson. And funny thing is, I have a friend who is named Jessica Anderson. <gasps> Your friend wrote it? Naming her. And it's one letter off from this. And so I sent oh, wow. her this book a picture of it and I said you in another life <laughs> and she just saw the cover and just thought it was hilarious so anyways it's by Jessica Anderson and it's called <laughs> Lord of the Wolfen and I keep wanting to say Wolflin I don't know why but anyways it's got this guy on the front he's shirtless of course yes It's almost giving me Superman vibes, like dark Superman vibes. He's got this cape. He's got jeans. He's wearing a cape? It's dark. He's got his head turned, but still that. Why is he shirtless with a cape? And then there's kind of a a spirit wolf made out of glow lights behind him. So it's Superman with Batman? Oh, is it like the light that looks like a cape? Or is it an actual? It's he's an not actual wearing cape. a cape. It's a cape. What else would that be? The cloth around him? Behind- I guess he's holding a cloth, but there's nothing around his neck to hold the cape on. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It can't be a cape. There's it's part of his human form. It's, it attaches to his back somehow. <laughs> I don't know. Like a weird Kindle? <laughs> no, it's around his shoulders. Yeah, like it doesn't look like it's a cape cape. There's a strap around. Look at this shoulder. There's a strap around it. Do you see that? So it's like a backpack cape? <laughs> so Batman, not Superman, because Batman has a tool belt. And so this guy has a backpack cape. Yeah. Does he have pants on? Does he have a belt on? <laughs> You're getting into this. He well, I want to. It's like a crocodile skin belt. He has pants. I think they're jeans. Just from what I know of his character, they seem like jeans. Very well fit jeans. Very well fit. He's very well fit. He's got the teeny tiny little muscular belly button <laughs> and a six pack that's not overly formed, but just enough so you know if he like really flexed, he would have. It. Just like how you, like you talk about this belly button. It's a teeny tiny muscular belly button, but his abs <laughs> and pecs. Oh, wow. <laughs> so Jessica Anderson. Oh, my goodness. What do you know about her other than she's like your friend? All about my friend. <laughs> so she's in her 40s and okay. she has been writing since 2001 and she's published over 40 books in romance, mystery, and science genres. Wow. I know. And she's an American. Okay. I said that first. And she has a PhD in genetics. It's kind of cool. Okay. So maybe she knows definitely how a werewolf person can be a vampire as well somewhere yes yeah geneticists would know 
She has a dolphin friendly series. I don't know what that's about. I did not look that up, but number one is called dolphin friendly. And number two is seal with a kiss. Oh. Really? <laughs> I'm imagining a few things. Let me get it. Hmm. Oh, um, so on that note, <laughs> Amy's drinking beer desperately over here, trying not to imagine it until later on when she's alone. <laughs> I have some strong feelings about dolphins, but we're not, I don't think this is the time and place. I don't think you have them. the same feelings as the feelings in this book. Oh no. I am once again stuck between passes. Okay. Okay. As he rejoined her, he was mixing some sort of powder into the context. As he rejoined her, he was mixing some sort of powder into the contents of the water skin he carried over his shoulder. Mm. That puts in the strappy things. But that doesn't explain why there is a cape. It's a camelback under the cape. So the camelback is holding the cape on. Yeah. I'm sure it Velcros onto the camelback. <laughs> <laughs> We just need to email the artist about this cover because we're very confused. (laughs) As he reached her side, he tipped his head back and drank deeply. Mm. I thought he didn't drink shallowly because then he might get it going into his lungs. I mean, who would want a pneumonia from drinking shallowly? He took a small dainty sip. Don't drink too much. (laughs) I can't carry too much. (laughs) It's going to cause my cape to fall off if I only have a little bit. (laughs) Retta's attention was caught far too thoroughly by the way his throat worked. (laughs) Laura, have you ever had that moment with your partner where you're just like, let me just watch how you drink? (laughs) I mean, I do love my partner, but I don't know that I've ever really examined his neck that thoroughly. I'm going to have to go downstairs and have him drink some water while I look at his throat. And think, wow, that's some amazing drinking. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Good thing the baby's in bed. Oh, yeah. Let me see you drink some tea. <laughs> so hot. Her eyes locking on a rivulet that escaped and tracked down. She felt the tickle against her own flesh and the sensation reached inside her to stroke the kernel of heat that was all that was left of the wolfsbin's power. She quivered slightly as he lowered the water skin and offered it to her. It's a mild stimulant. It will clear the fog and keep you from going so deeply unconscious that you can't run if we need to. As she took the potion, the quiver grew claws, dug in and spread through her body, a potent combination of fear and arousal that instead of freezing her in place made her want to move into him, curl against him. She didn't let her hand shake, but as she downed the mixture, which had a mellow citrus flavor, but the aftertaste of too strong black tea. She was entirely aware of Dane staring at her, watching her as she had watched him. Mm. He wondered whether he was feeling an afterburn, whether his skin felt singed as her did, gone suddenly prickly and sensitive beneath her clothing. Lowering the water skin, she deliberately met his gaze and was nearly scorched by it. (laughs) What? His pupils were dilated, his body tense, and somehow seemed larger than it had only moments before, as if he had puffed up with the same atavistic mating urge that suddenly surged within her. Her face- All of that from drinking something? I know. Laura, don't watch me drink. 
<laughs> Some sort of wolf's bane. Wolf's bin. Bane. It's spelled oddly. Anyways. Her face flushed with an intense flush that quickly washed down her throat to heat the skin of her upper chest, then her breasts. Her nipples crinkled in excitement that was echoed in her <laughs> until her t- entire body thrummed with sensual awareness. I have never had my nipples crinkle. I'm just going to say, I'm just picking wrapping paper. <laughs> they go, <laughs> that sounds so painful. <laughs> oh my gosh that's the worst but it's also like it went down I just don't understand why you had to like describe each part it went down her to her chest became sharp probably like her chest then her breasts and then her nipples crinkled like it, and of course I just at least you didn't see me go like all my hand motions because I was just like breasts crinkle Every time you say crinkle, you like, you twist your hand. Oh, like it just seems painful. I'm not into that. I'm not into nipple. But that's how you crinkle something when you Stop crinkle crinkling. it. Stop crinkling with your hands. No more crinkling. Sorry. All right. I'll crinkle this bag instead. <laughs> this is what her nipples felt like. Dry. She needs to moisturize her nipples. Some deep moisture. Cetaphil Aquaphor. It went from her her nipples to her breast to her chest. <laughs> That's the uncrinkling. That comes back. That's uncrinkling. That's after the drug word. It's just a drug, that lame-ass, cautious part of her said, but only weekly because the reality was that it was Dane. And she was so damn tired of being rational, practical, or logical. He wasn't the woodsman, wasn't the lover she'd seen in her dreams, but that hadn't stopped her from wanting him the first moment she had wakened and looked into his eyes. She wanted a woodsman? I guess. Or she had a lover in her dreams. The disgraced cop is in love with the woodsman. More as they stood there on a hidden rock ledge, as safe as they could be under the circumstances, rebellion rose up within her, greed, and oddly, logic. She might not be stuck in a dream, but this sure as hell wasn't her real life. And given that, as long as she guided her prince to the archway on time, what was the harm in taking what she wanted for the next 48 hours? Oh, what is the harm? Those are the famous last words. Exactly. What's the harm? What's the harm? Everything in this fantasy land. How funny that we both chose science fiction kind of weird stuff again. Of course, I was in that section. Anyway. Yes. I wondered, so I got mine at half price books as well. And I was just wandering around and I felt so bad because I kept dropping my books. <laughs> <laughs> You're that person in the bookstore. Yeah, I had so many books. They're probably like, oh, she needs a cart. And nobody offered to help pick up the books because I think once one dropped, they looked at the like they looked at the cover, they're like, <laughs> we're not touching that. And then yeah I was like jumping around from section to section and then everybody was just looking at me oddly if you stand too long in the romance section they always just stare at you like yes have a sex life <laughs> why are you flipping through these randomly and giggling to yourself that was me I did find some interesting stuff in the romance aisle and I was just like I'll come back for it later it's probably still going to be 
one of my neighbors will see me dropping this off at our neighborhood little library and then know that those books are all from me as they appear over the next few months. So I don't know. You have to scatter them then, like go on little road trips. With your <laughs> little guy. I'd be like, we're going to go find a new one. Point it out to mommy. Okay. okay. Random page. Mm-hmm. Random. Oh, this part's good. I actually read this part. You know what I do? Oh, sorry. I'm going to go back to that last section because it just came to me that like, it's really funny that a lot of times these women are cast as like, they overthink. They're too cautious. Mm-hmm. And now we do it all. Let him rape you. <laughs> Basically. I mean, it's, it's like just leave caution to the wind. It's like people talking about like losing their virginity and a lot of the advice from people is just, just get it over with, just be done with it. Just, it doesn't matter who you have sex with, just get it over with. And then after that, you can enjoy sex. Yeah, there is that. I actually was thinking about that scene of into the woods where the wife ends up meeting up with the prince and into the woods. And then there's that moment. And then it's kind of like, she ends up shaming herself. Yeah. And it's just like this, I don't know if it's just like this weird cycle, but yeah, not to say that this is I mean, this, this cop was already disgraced to begin with. So whatever she does on a private cliff for 48 hours with this man that has a very athletic belly button, who knows? Exactly. She saw herself differently too in the rainbow <laughs> fog. She suddenly saw a woman who too often waited for others to take care of things. This is the perfect part to read after saying that. Yes. Granted, her childhood had shaped that as her father and therapist had, well-meaning or not, blocked off her imagination, her initiative. But that was then and this was now. And she needed to quit being afraid, not just of danger, but of making a mistake, making a choice. Back home, she'd stopped moving forward and her soul had begun to wither. In the Wolfen realm, however, she'd started doing, thinking, moving, deciding. Maybe she had made a huge mistake falling for Dane, had almost made an even bigger one by blindly following him to Eldon as his lover. But the first stake had burned her, but not killed her. And the second one wasn't going to happen. If she followed him to Eldon, it would be by her own choice and not as his lover. And if that brought a stab to fresh wounds, heartbreak wasn't fatal after all. Okay, she said to the waiting voice, I'll do it. Good. The fog rose up around her, curled toward her, and touched her here and there, tingling where it landed. And then it started moving with more purpose, sluggishly at first, then faster and faster, and she found herself hoping to hell this wasn't going to go into the mistake column. She drew a breath, but before she could say anything or really decide what she wanted to say, the world lurched around her. The fog turned dark and ominous. Whoomp! She suddenly found herself standing on a grass-covered hill in the middle of a dense, ominous forest. So I guess there's some... I was expecting some crinkling to happen there, but it didn't happen. (laughs) I was just going to keep on going. And then she crinkled. Thank God. I'm going to think about that the next time I'm cold. (laughs) Are they crinkling? Am I crinkling? I bet I I hope I have enough padding on so it doesn't show I crinkled. (laughs) Dane wasn't there. In fact, she was completely and utterly alone. And in realizing that, she became aware that it was the first time she'd been alone in days. She stood for a moment, testing for signs of panic. But while she was tense and most certainly on alert, she wasn't terrified and didn't want to stand still and wait for something to happen. Let's get moving, her instinct said. Daylight's wasting. 
Overhead, she glimpsed a sky that was far deeper blue than that in the wolfen realm, making her blink at the difference. The trees, too, were strange. They were twisted and stunted looking, though they stretched high overhead to knit their branches into a high canopy of dull brown leaves. The sunlight that filtered through those leaves was a dingy brown color, making her feel oddly dirty. Welcome to Elden, she said under her breath. Doesn't look much like I expected. Both her mother and Dane had made the kingdom sound like lush and fertile paradises, like something out of a fantasy movie. But maybe it would get better once she was out of these woods. Given that realm travel wasn't known in the kingdoms, it stood to reason that the access points would be hidden away, forgotten. Thinking she'd do her best with a good defense, she unslung her bow and stared. What before had been plain but serviceable hand-carved bow was now a slick, high-tech compound bow of the type she had favored in the human realm, but made of springy, unfamiliar wood and strung with a natural fiber of proper tensile strength. Her arrows, too, had transformed. She was wearing a sleek quiver that contained a dozen perfectly balanced shafts and offered hooks where she could secure the bow fully strung upgrade she said to herself nice better yet there was a small purse of gold she found in her pocket Feeling more optimistic than she had moments before, she struck out in the direction where the light seemed the brightest up ahead. She would find herself a village, get her bearings, and go from there. If nothing else, she knew where Dane would be tomorrow night. Castle Island. It's called Castle Island? Yes. I kind of liked that part, though, because I feel as though it's it's almost like a video game where you finally (laughs) upgrade. You've been Mm -hmm. sucking it with, like, this little bow that only so far has so much damage, and then suddenly you have enough strength or whatever you need to upgrade to the next thing, or you could buy it at the next village. I'm specifically talking about Dungeon Siege. Yeah. I didn't... Okay, I was a little bit confused about the bow and arrow because I was about to kind of be like, so as a disgraced cop, that's what they give them? Like she got rid of her gun and they gave her bows and arrows? I think from just a little bit I've read and then these random parts, I think she went from the human realm to the wolfen realm to mm. Elden. Oh. So I think she was in a different realm, not the human realm before. And I think that's where she had the bow and arrow. Oh, so it's just a series of parallel universes kind of thing. Realms, universes, realms, depends on if you want to be in fantasy or sci-fi. And she upgraded and her outfit just got a little bit more BA. That would be badass. Exactly. And then she felt the heat source and her ears just came off like flowers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm currently flipping through this a little bit to try to see where she went from the human realm and got her bow, but there are 256 pages. Okay. Ooh. I don't know if I should go earlier on where she's probably a very confused person somewhere in the middle of her discovery or somewhere near the end. 256. (laughs) Oh, did you choose that? Because that's hilarious. No, 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 no. I was was just, I was thinking out loud. Let me drink some more beer to get my thoughts processes going faster. 178. Okay. But really quick, I want to read you this paragraph, which is the last paragraph. And it's just so weird. But before I get, forget 178. Wait, should we do 178? Wait, let's do 178 and then let's finish it off with the weird paragraph. Okay. Okay. Good. Let's not spoil 178. I mean, sex scene? No. Dang it. I'm sorry. He didn't even realize he was crying until a drop hit the dirt. It dried quickly, sucked into the parched earth so suddenly that he might have thought he imagined it, save that he found moisture on his cheeks and felt the tears in his soul. 
<laughs> what was the line from the the Duke book? The bowels of his soul. The spy <laughs> came from the bowels of his soul. Well, you know what? This is a moment better than sex. He's getting emotional. Yes, it's hitting his soul. He yes. didn't stay there long. He couldn't, but part of him wanted to. Any faint hope he might have had that this was a localized blight withered as he reached the edge of the forest and saw rolling hills of dusty brown leading to a yellow hazed horizon. And his last few shreds of optimism died utterly when he hiked himself up into a nearby tree, hiked himself into a tree. He hiked himself into a tree. (laughs) You just... You can just walk right up the tree in this round. Like it just, it just is what it is. You just, gravity does not exist in the same way in these realms. It's probably somewhere in the Niven laws that when you go into the Wolfen realm, you can hike up trees. Just go on up. Like the people that run up walls for flips. Exactly. This is exactly that. Spider-Man jumps or something. Whatever they do. Climbing into the high swaying branches to get a longer view. From there, he could see the forest scattered farms, several villages, though fewer than he remembered, and a dark smudge where he judged Blood Lake to be. Throughout it all, there are patches of brown, green, black, and even some furry looking white and bilibus yellow green, as if the land had died and been taken over by mold and rot. Gods help us, he whispered, soul going hollow at the confirmation that it wasn't just the forest that was blighted and dying. It was all of Elden. And although he already hated the blood sorcerer for the attack on the castle, now that rage dug deeper and grew hotter, became even more personal at the realization that the bastard hadn't just taken power. He had ruined the kingdom, leeching its energy to fuel his dark and twisted magic. Villain is called the blood sorcerer. (laughs) I love how you say that with a straight face. (laughs) Villain. The blood sorcerer. The lane is called the blood sorcerer. (laughs) What is this? (laughs) Okay. Last paragraph. I'm so stuck on the blood sorcerer here. We just dropped the blood sorcerer out there. Like, is so is he a vampire? Does he build blood and do weird magic with it? We don't know these things. This is the problem. We don't do a full literary analysis. We can't explore the blood sorcerer to its full extent. We need a blood sorcerer movement here, people. Bring the blood sorcerer out to light. Okay. He covered her hands with his. The two of them moved in unison as the huge black unicorn cantered off metallic hooves ringing on the stones as they headed for the castle, the coming battle and the rest of their lives together in the magical kingdom of Elden. I knew I had to read it like that because your face. (laughs) fell onto my couch behind me. Oh my gosh. No, if they were having sex or if he was, they were riding on a unicorn. Wait, wait, they had sex on the black, on the back of a, it was a black unicorn with silver hooves. Metallic hooves. Metallic hooves. I'm so sorry. We want to make sure that the metallic hooves would change colors as it goes through the light. So it's kind of rainbow, like Sanrio surprises, like... (laughs) You thought this was going somewhere else as they're moving in unison as the huge black 
a unicorn. There's like one of, this is one of the few times I'm just like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I was, I was really hoping you were going to choose that page once I read it to count the pages. I don't know. I, I kind of like him. But I'm ending on that. I don't know. He hikes up trees to it's climb like, up them halfway up. And then he saves the word blibus, which I like. Why is a unicorn near a werewolf? Not near. He's riding it. I know, but why? Wouldn't a werewolf eat a unicorn? I wonder if he's not a werewolf. A werewolf. Oh, he's a legendary wolf creature. Maybe he's not a werewolf in this realm. So he's a wolf shifter, which is almost as good as a werewolf. But he he can also a vampire at any time. Right? Where did we get the vampire? Did I say vampire? You did say yeah. vampire. Yes. Yes. No difference between the vampire human anymore, or between the fairy tale princess and disgraced cop. I'm sorry, fairy tale prince <laughs> and disgraced cop. <laughs> I just mixed myself up there. I'm clarifying this by being more confusing. There's a prince who might be a disgraced cop and there is a human who might be a vampire oh wait is she the vampire maybe she is no 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 no, no. actually she can't be because i i read earlier i was when i was flipping through she is a cop because her romantic partner who i think is her cop partner gets shot and she freezes up oh okay maybe it's just meaning that because the worlds collide, there is really no difference between these things. But it still doesn't explain why a wolf would be on the back of a unicorn. I don't know. Maybe we need to read the next book in the Royal House of Shadows. I think I would be in, end up more confused than I am now. <laughs> so in the little blurb in the front... Mm -hmm. It says, soft warmth against his lips, silky heat on his tongue, spice and flowers, curves. <laughs> okay, blah, 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 blah. It had been two decades since he held a woman out of anything other than necessity. But now as their tongues touched and slid. <laughs> what? Ew! Ew! They're all moist and slidey <laughs> on each other. I'm using my hands to make a sliding motion just so y'all can picture these tongues. And picture just picture my hands sliding on top of one another and that's what their tongues are doing if you're stuck in traffic right now and nobody's moving please just slide your hands on top of one another that's so gross going <laughs> maybe since he's a wolf they're just licking each other's tongue could you imagine like this big wolf tongue that comes out and licks you <laughs> but you try to pretend it's okay because you're on the back of a unicorn with metallic and it's sexy somehow spice and flowers curves but not coffee spice and flowers i mean coffee kills aliens we learned that today yes yes and don't pick up hitchhikers. Even if they seem innocent, they're still using fossil fuels. <laughs> Save them from using fossil fuels. <laughs> yes. Don't pick up hitchhikers. Save them from using fossil fuels. <laughs> Save their souls. You know why? Because they might cross over into the werewolf realm and then go over into the, what's the other realm? Human realm. No, there's, where they El are in the human Elven. Elven. No, El Elden. E L D E N. Elden. Elden. Okay. 
They go into the Elden Realm where they can get a unicorn that flies. Pegasus, maybe, basically. Black, huge black unicorn with metal. Yes. So but now that, epilepsy, like that one horse that you read about. Yeah, but it's not, <laughs> but they wouldn't get on the robotic horse because the robotic <laughs> horse uses fossil people. That's right. It was a robotic epileptic horse. Alien horse. Yeah. So they wouldn't use that horse. But no, 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 no. That's too risky. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the unicorn, that's okay. Yeah. Did the um, unicorn have wings? Did they say the unicorn had wings? Unicorns don't have wings. Pegasus have wings. But do they have a horn? They didn't say winged unicorn. Okay. Right? Because his metallic hooves are ringing on the cobblestones or whatever. So that means he's running, not flying. Unless he's flying and dragging his feet. <laughs> why would they, I, I still don't understand why they need the unicorn if there are like these mystical creatures that are part wolf we don't know they're following nelvin's law so Nevin, okay nevin's law Nevin? what's his name Niven, what is nevin's law about this I don't know if Niven's has- law is you cannot be a unicorn with wings in this world, but a wolf can ride you. Okay, here it goes. Niven's laws for stories. So number one is writers who write for other writers should write letters. Never be embarrassed or ashamed about anything you choose to write. <laughs> stories to end all stories on a given topic. Don't. It's a sin to waste the reader's time. Yep, I agree. I do not feel like our time was wasted. No. No. Not with tongue sliding and drug use for sex. We do not condone drug use for sex. Don't do that. Unless you need it somehow. I like this one. Never <laughs> not judging. Here's, a, here's another one of his laws. Never throw shit at an armed man. <laughs> <laughs> never. Part B. Never stand next to someone who is throwing shit at an armed man. This is a good law for any universe that you're in, I feel. Or armed woman, armed person, armed thing, armed creature, because... Armed them. Armed them. Mm -hmm. And on that note... (laughs) Go read a book and don't throw a book at a person. That also goes against Niven's law. It goes against our law. The end. The end.